Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. So get the latest odds and lines, including the la the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. Bet Online is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered on all your sports wagering needs: basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, right to UFC and boxing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Ben Online, where the game starts. Bienvenidos, señoras y, eh, señoras y señores. Estamos en vivo. En vivo aquí en la carne asada. So let's get right to it. Uh, we're going to start uh, a, a new segment that we're going to call El Cotorreo. What do you guys do at a carne asada? Cotorreamos. So um, the first topic I want to start with is, hey, the Dodgers went four and two on their road trip. So I want to start this by saying... Babyface won last week with his picks. I know he's he's feeling himself. I know he, he loves it. For the first time, we got on the board with our picks, and it's Babyface because Babyface is the guy who knows the most about baseball on this show. So congratulations to Babyface. But our listeners also got a point. And remember, this is a competition that we're going to have all season long. The listeners get to, to submit their picks. So so far we have a tie for first baby face with our listeners. I want to listen. I want to uh, welcome those that are joining us on the live. Our regulars. I love these guys. Michael Carrillo is on. Simeon is on. So you guys know how this works. Chime in on your thoughts. Let us know what you guys think about those topics. We're going to interact during this show. Uh, before we get into this road trip, baby face, uh, do you want to take your victory lap on your? 4-2 prediction on the Dodgers on this road trip? Well, I mean, it, it got – I texted you guys, remember, the night before. I'm like, we're going to have – we're finally going to have a winner this week, right? Because they were – they it was either they were going to go 3-3 three and three or 4-2. and two. So I wanted to ask you, like, were you rooting for them to lose that, that last game so you could have no. won this one? Or? Okay. The Dodgers are more important to me <laughs> okay. than me and my picks. You know, okay. I want I want the Dodgers to always win. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm very happy for you that you got your four and two. It's a long season. Most importantly, I'm just happy somebody finally got on the board. I mean, we're a month into the season, and, and look at this. I mean, we're we barely get one point. Yeah, uh, it's been, it been it was a rough stretch, but you know, finally, I mean, Dodgers are playing a lot better, right? Over the last what's it been two and a half weeks or so, right? 
they you know they've they've stepped up so hopefully it's 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 a, it's a good sign well, let's get into it. Uh, first of all, for those of you wondering, uh, Alonzo and uh, La Princesa de Picolandia on, on our, are on assignment, so they won't be joining us on this episode. Uh, so we hope to see them soon. Um, Michael, uh, I, I really don't play around with the website in terms of baseball trade values. I'm not very familiar with it, with that whole scenario. I'm just going ahead and just sticking to baseball here. But let, let's talk about that four and two road trip. Have the Dodgers turned a corner baby face? I mean, this is coming off of a six and oh homestand, perfect homestand. And then they went four and two. Now I get it that the Cerveceros are not playing as well as they were a few. They've gone into a little bit of a funk, but this is what you got to do, right? You got to take advantage when a team is not playing well, you got to beat them. The show pods, were playing well. I mean, they were seven and three in their last 10 before the Dodgers series. So, I mean, to me, this was a big road test. Uh, th- this is, you know, they were playing two good teams. And so far this year, they, they didn't fare well against teams with a winning record, but does this mean they have turned a corner now? Yeah. I mean, I think, so. I mean, we had, we had mentioned this, right. When they, when the slow start, right. Kind of, they're playing 500 and we said, when we start seeing some of these pieces come back, like Gonsolin, right? I think he's he's helped to kind of, you know, get that that rotation a little bit more solid, right? He's given them, he, you know, he's given them lengths in his in his couple of starts that he's been out there. So, you know, the guys that were out on the paternity leaves, all that stuff, right? They've all come back. Will Smith is back, right? And we kind of said that's kind of where we see probably this team will start playing, you know, a little bit better. And and I know Alonso's not here, but he's. What did, what is Alonzo said? He said, "Let me see how they're playing mid-May, right? That's what he's been saying. So we're we're getting mid-May. So this is kind of the team that we're seeing. They're what are they like eight games over five hundred right now? Eight or nine. so, so they're they're getting there. I, I I think I think this this is a team that they're they're gonna be. So you know we'll we'll see. You know we got the the Padres coming in and then the Twins. So let's see how this uh, weekend goes as compared to last weekend." You know what? I, I want to give a big welcome here. I think this is the first time I've seen you on the live. Dustin Roberts, bienvenido, amigo. Thank you for, for the shout out, calling us the best Dodger-centric podcast in the world. Let's go, Dodgers. Uh, Simeon, about the YouTube, I don't know what's going on over there, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, look, for me, what I, I find you mentioned Will Smith. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they just recently, some of the Dodger players have referred to, they think Will Smith is a superstar. They've seen what it, what Will Smith contributes to this team and they view him as a superstar. And you see the Dodgers record when Will Smith is in the lineup, as opposed to when he's not in the lineup. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Will Smith was out with a concussion, the Dodgers struggle. And then Will Smith comes back and order is restored. So no matter how important we say Mookie is and Freddie Freeman is, I, I think it's becoming more, you can make a case that Will Smith seems to be one of the more important cogs of, of this of this team. And I, that was just something I didn't see coming. Uh, I want to get into the, that show pod series because there was a lot of hype in, in between and game, the first game of the series didn't go our way. Uh, Kershaw, you know, he, he got hit, 
And so what I want to get into is, and this was a hot topic uh, on the social medias. I want to hear, for those of you joining us on the live, I want to hear your guys' thoughts. After the game, the show pods on their Jumbotron put this meme that went viral, of course, of Kershaw crying. It was a picture of Kershaw, and they put these tears down his face. Uh, I know it pissed off a lot of Dodger fans, but I got to tell you, I agreed with Kershaw's response. When I saw that, I wasn't I wasn't pissed off. I, I didn't have a problem. And I love Kershaw's response. It was just like, that just means I got to pitch better. Kershaw didn't feed into it. Kershaw didn't give the, 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 the show pods the pleasure of getting seeing him pissed off. And we all know Kershaw's a red ass. So what was your reaction to what they put up on the Jumbotron, babyface? And what was your reaction to Kershaw's response? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, Kershaw's response. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he knew it. He didn't pitch good that day, right? You know, he issued like what four or five walks, right? So he was completely off that game. And and yeah, I mean, he, if he would have pitched, you know, lights out and they would have won the game, right? They wouldn't have put that up there, right? So you know, I, I get that point. Then I also get the other point of like, this is the Padres though. Like, what are they doing putting up these like dumb little silly memes, right? Like, I mean, I get it if it's a fan page, right? They're talking trash, whatever. But to me, it's kind of like after when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That is kind of true. This is the actual Padres, like the Padres media. They're putting up these dumb memes of, of Kershaw, future Hall of Famer up there crying on the, you know, Jumbo Trump because they won a game. And then that actually got me, got me into, to looking into the Padres, like social media and all this other stuff. And I'm like, you know what? These guys are kind of like, they're kind of flaky, man. Like when when they lose and they lose, like they don't even post the score. They just put like final like on their Twitter. And I guess they just want you to look at the graphic. They don't even put anything in the score. If you compare it to like the Dodgers, they always put even if they lose, they'll put final and the scores. And then but when they win, they post like 15 times. I don't know if it's just <laughs> the Dodgers. Like if you look at their social media, when they win, I mean it's like 15 posts like in a row. So it's like you know, so I'm like, okay, I get it. I I get that's how they act, and that's how the Padres act, and 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 it just it it's like a whole, you know, team wide thing. So I mean, that's that's how it is. <laughs> uh, look, I in in the show pods defense, I saw them post the score of their game today. They lost, and they put the score on there. They oh, they, they, they they put the actual yes. score on there. So that, so, that, so, that so they, they, did, they they do it for a reason. Then because it was the Dodgers, they don't see see how kind of like. These guys are so bitter, like so bitter. They didn't want to put the Dodgers beat the Padres, you know? Look, I mean, it's salty. I mean, it 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 adds into the environment. I mean, when when people are into it, I, I mean, I think it adds to it. When the fans get into this, I mean, look, when we talked to Max Muncy, friend of the Cainacera earlier in the offseason, he said that environment in San Diego during the, the playoffs was something he had never seen before. So when the fans get into it, I mean, it was sold out. Everybody was into it. It's the first game of the series. I think everyone was expecting that the show pods were just going to run through the Dodgers, right? Because they were feeling themselves. They were playing well. So, again, I think they kind of told on themselves a little bit. Look, the, like you said, these are the show pods, all right? They're feeling themselves right now. They, they had a victory over the Dodgers in the playoffs, 
you know, they want so badly to beat the Dodgers. They want to just just humiliate. They they I, they want the Dodgers to feel how normally the Dodgers make the show pods feel. But I just love that Kershaw didn't take the bait. Like Kershaw was just like, hey man, I just got to pitch better. And what you know, what some of the comments like mm-hmm. Michael Carrillo says, you show up the Padres on the field because that's exactly what the Dodgers did the next two nights. They win the series, and now this makes it even worse. What the show pods did makes it even worse because here they are talking up all this smack. They're talking smack, and they lost the series. And so I, I, I know you went out. This is we have to, you know, say this is coming from the show pods themselves. I want to give credit to Joe Musgrove, the pitcher for the for for the show pods. He thought it was bush league. He didn't think it was right that what the Padres did, like he, in his words, he's like, these guys kicked our ass last year and we're throwing up there. And he's just like, for all I know, Kershaw has been a great guy. So he doesn't deserve that treatment. And I also have to say that show pods fans, not all the show pods fans were behind this. I don't know if any of you saw this rant on social media. Can you cue up the tape here, baby face? This is one of my fit. This is a Padres fan. He's actually one of the co-hosts of the Ring the Bell podcast, which you can listen to on our network, on the Believe Network. Babyface, if you got that, enjoy this rant from a Padres fan. Why you need to stop talking so much shit to Dodgers fans? This is why I keep trying to tell you guys, like, the whole Kershaw shit, the whole showing him on the crybaby scoreboard. We won one series against them. We don't have shit in our trophy case. That's why we're acting like a small city. This is exactly why. Because when you talk, the bunny's got the gun. When you talk, when you talk, and you talk, and you talk, and you have nothing to show for it, you fucking pay the price the hard way. This is why I hate it when we show the scoreboards, we show all this shit, and all you guys try and make fun of Dodger fans, breaking news, they've done a lot more than we ever have as an organization. So in the interest of full disclosure, and you're right, Michael, I hope I didn't I didn't butcher his name, but I meant Borna. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, we sent out an invite to have Borna come on the show. We're still waiting on a response because I wanted to talk to him about that rant. So not all show pods fans are, are bad. Show, I mean, Borna recognized here that this was this was a bad look for them. And the fact that the Dodgers came back and won those next two games, I think was a very encouraging sign. I mean, Dustin May, that game that he pitched on Saturday, oh, I hope this is the beginning of a more consistent Dustin May. And this is what we're going to see for the rest of the season because that's going to be a huge boost for the Dodgers. If you can get Dustin May like that, and then maybe you can get some of the other starters, you know, turning the page on there. That's that's going to be fantastic. Julio, you know, on Sunday, he's been shaky. You know, the I mean, the, he started off this the season looking like regular Julio. Then when Will Smith got hurt, he had those two shaky starts, and we're just you know we're trying to we're we're, we're trying to to sit there and just expect that Julio's going to come out there every start and just to be dominant. And that's not what it's been this year. I mean, he's, his ERA at one point was over four. He brought it down. 
But that start on Sunday, you could have said very easily he might have gotten through six innings and not given up any runs because those two doubles in that first inning were plays that, you know, could have been caught, especially the Mookie one. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a timing thing with Mookie, but it looked like that ball in right field should have been caught. And if he does, he gets out of the inning and Julio doesn't give up any runs. And all of a sudden we're back on the Julio train. But, you know, if Julio is going back to pitching how he was pitching in the beginning of the year or how we pitched last year, you got Julio, you got Dustin May. The game that Kershaw pitched in Milwaukee, I mean, now I'm starting to feel a little better about the starting rotation. Now I'm starting to think, okay, we're, 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 we're going to be okay. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways, babyface, of that show pod series? Yeah, I mean, it, it was looking again, right? That that last game was looking like, oh man, they're gonna lose the series, right? And it's down, it's down to the last out, and then Mookie, right? He hits that home run, right? So it's like, you know, once they got into the extra innings, then it's like, you, this was their first extra inning game, right? So we didn't know what to expect, you know, from last year, right? They 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 barely won any extra inning game, right? And then this year, I mean, to see the rookies, right? The rookies showed up right in that in that in that extra inning game, right? First, you have you have friend of the kind of other Michael Bush, right? When it looked like the same thing, and he's two strikes, he's battling up there, you know, you know, and if he if he strikes out or whatever, right? It's like oh, well, he's a rookie, right? And but no, he goes ahead, hits you know, hits a single, you know, the opposite, you know, to to left, you know, Freddie Freeman scores, they're up on top, and then and then another friend of the kind of other James Altman. Goes ahead, goes ahead and hits the two run. I mean, James Alman to me, right? Like I, I seen some other there was like a top ten list like last week or whatever. They had like James Alman ranked like eighth as, as a rookie, and he's like James Alman isn't competing against other rookies for for stats. He's competing against MLB, right? He's got numbers up there like WAR. I think it's like up there like one and two with Acuna from the Braves. Like, I mean, James Alman is legit. I mean, he hands down. To me, he's he's rookie of the year, and I think that's you know, it showed. You know, two rookies, two rookie, two rookies beat the Padres, whatever it is. You know, five hundred million dollar lineup or whatever that game. Hey, I, I mean, all I, I applaud them. I mean, I think it was huge that those guys. Great moments for them early on the season. But let's pump the brakes a little bit on the James Outman rookie of the year train. Uh, you know, it is only May. I hope he continues this. The, the way he is, because, yeah, then he has a really good argument for being rookie of the year. Uh, my concern with James Outman is the strikeouts. I, I mean, it seems a little bit alarming, the number of strikeouts that and it's just like not one per game. It's a couple of games where he has hat tricks. He had one where he had a golden sombrero. And maybe that's just something that we're going to have to live with with James Outman is with the strikeouts will we'll come the big hits that he that he gets. If he's clutch, you know, I'll take that. But can you imagine if that dude cuts down on the strikeouts and he's constantly putting the ball in play? I mean, that that's just a nightmare for, for opposing teams. So, I, I yeah, I loved seeing uh, – that was a huge hit for Michael Bush. For a guy who I'm really surprised they've kind of buried him on the bench, it's like if you have him up here – like, give him playing time. Give him at-bats. I mean, you always use the excuse when you send a player down, oh, it's because we need them playing every day. It does baffle me sometimes, the usage on Michael Bush, but I, uh, my hat's off to him. I thought that was huge, that hit that he had in extra innings. 
Yeah, on on James Alman too. I mean, I think too. Like, I think he's going to cut down on the strikeouts too. Like, you got to remember too. Like, right? He's he's obviously a rookie, right? He's seen these guys for the first time, right? So he doesn't know what to expect, you know, from these guys. So he probably is going to have those nights where he strikes out two times, three times, you know. And but I think he's been able to adjust, right? I mean, I I don't think he's gone he's gone into a real long funk yet, right? I mean, he's he's you know whatever he's getting, you know, if he has a bad night. He kind of adjusts, you know, in the next night or two, you know, he comes up with a couple hits or you know, a couple big hits. So, so far, so good, you know, and, and that's what you like to see. And, you know, hopefully that continues as, like I said, you know, guys are going to continue to try and figure him out. And, you know, he just has to make those adjustments as well. And, right. Know, and and Michael Bush, I mean, I mean, he is getting those limited playing time, but he's, you know, he's doing fine. You know, you know, I think he's he's been up right now because of uh, J.D. Martinez, right, because he's on the D.H., so. Yeah, I mean he, he's on the I also he's he's seen more time at DH, but I mean, I think it's going to go back to what we discussed last time is okay. What do you do when JD comes back? Uh, you know, you got you got an outfielder in Trace Thompson that what do you do like zero for twenty five? I think, right? Uh, I mean Trace Thompson. I mean we've talked about this on this show. Trace Thompson is just going through a horrible stretch, and JD Martinez I think is activated for Friday, so. Probably Michael Bush is going back down. You know, he's going to be the odd man out. I, I mean, you hope that now that he's gotten the taste of the major leagues, we're going to see Michael Bush again. You know, you hope that when he does come back, it's a situation similar to James Outman, where he just picks up from where he left off. And um, so Michael Carrillo giving us up the update. Hey, Michael, also give me the cheese man on that Borna uh, doing that collab. If you saw it with Dodgers Nation. Uh, I'm not, uh, why is Borno afraid to come on the bleed Lows podcast, man? It's like, come on, this is the podcast of the, of the Raza. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk Dodgers, you got to deal with the Raza. So if you saw that, Michael, let me know if it was any good and, and tell him not to be afraid. Give, give him crap on social media and tell him that he should come on, on the bleed Lows podcast and deal with the Raza. Uh, but Michael Bu- uh, Michael Carrillo over here telling us, yeah, he also thinks Michael Bush is going to be the one getting sent down. Unfortunately, um, and, and it's an in, in, you bring up an interesting point, Michael. Uh, they don't want to hurt his trade value, and that is one of the guys that I, I'm thinking they may be having to use him as a trade chip later on in the season when the Dodgers have to start addressing some of those holes, and maybe some of those holes, as Babyface said might be the outfield, you know, because Trace Thompson, you know, I, I bless his heart. I heard Trace Thompson make a, co- a comment today that he's starting to think that a, a hot streak is coming for his sake. I hope that's true. I, I really do. But, but it is just, it's hard to watch, man. It, I mean, you, you see it on his face. I mean, how many times with athletes, it's all about confidence and that poor guy just, he doesn't have any, and I don't blame him. I mean, when you're going 0 for 25, I mean, how can you be confident? And, and that leads me to our next topic in the ta- in the sense of the mental aspect of the game. Babyface, did you hear this, that uh, Noah Syndergaard is going through, um, is using hypnosis to, to try to help him turn around his season? And on previous episodes, if you guys have listened, I have always said that he actually pitches pretty w- decently at Dodger Stadium. It's on the road where he struggles. That's that's why it sucked that in Milwaukee he, after one inning, you know, had to go leave the game because he cut his index finger. 
And now he might actually have to go on the IL for that. So he might miss his time. But the times that I have spoken to Noah Syndergaard, if, if you haven't seen him in person, I don't think television does this do justice. But in person, this guy is huge. I get now why they call him Thor. This dude is a monster, right? He's, he's really tall and he's just, he, he looks like Thor. But he is the most soft-spoken person, uh, player, I think, in that clubhouse. I'm literally standing in front of him and I have a hard time hearing him because it's almost like he speaks in a whisper. So we've seen players go to sports psychologists and sit there and and say, you know, to help them get out of these mental funks. So the fact that Noah Syndergaard is doing hypnosis does not surprise me at all. Babyface, do you, what do you think of this hypnosis? Do you believe in hypnosis? Do you think this will help Noah Syndergaard pitch better on the road? Well, I don't know if I believe in hypnosis because as a kid, I've always tried it. You know, I'd get those little things and like getting <laughs> sleep and, and it never worked. Right. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know about the hypnosis, but I mean, hey, man, whatever, what, whatever he feels is going to help him, you know, more power to him. Right. Like, you know, if he thinks, you know, you see the doctor and it helps him kind of get over whatever issues he's having. Right. Let, let him let him try it out and see, see what happens. Right. Um, you know, he pitched one inning, you know. He got into a little bit of trouble, I think, in that first inning. He got out of it, but, you know, he had the finger issue. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows what type of a start he would have had in Milwaukee? Um, but now, I mean, he may be down. But, but he also said he had that issue earlier in the season, like in a bullpen, and he was ready to go by his next start. So, who knows? You know, if you know if he doesn't – if he ends up missing that start, uh, guys lined up perfectly with him is Gavin Stone. So, we might see Gavin Stone back, back up. But, you know, to your point, I mean – Hey man, whatever whatever works, Noah, to get out there and, and and you know go five six innings strong. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's no different, right, than sacrificing a chicken. So I mean, it's whatever whatever makes you think it's going to help you. Then by all means, do it. I want to give a shout out here to Michael Carrillo with breaking news. So Suero and Bush have just been option to OKC. Michael Carrillo, I'm going to make you a correspondent here. Mm-hmm. On the on the on the carne asada, I'm going to give you credit for that. Um, Michael thinks that with Sweddle being optioned now, that pretty much means Gavin Stone is going to be brought up again. Um, I understand. I think the fact that Syndergaard got hurt, uh, had to leave that game early. Um, I what I found interesting, it turned into a bullpen game. If Syndergaard would have given them at least some length, or if Syndergaard would have gone five. I wonder what they were going to do with that Wednesday game because I really thought they were going to turn that Wednesday game into a bullpen game so they could line up their pitching again for the weekend series with the show pots. So you would see Kershaw, May, and Urias again. But that would also be a really long rest for Kershaw. And I don't think Kershaw likes going on that long of a rest. Do you think they would have done a bullpen game on Wednesday if they would have gotten any sort of length out of Syndergaard? Or was Kershaw pitching Wednesday no matter what? I think he was pitching. Uh, it didn't seem like they were trying to do anything to, you know, push him back or whatever. I think he he was set to go. And, you know, they had that bullpen game, and and, and Kershaw was the perfect guy to, to help him, you know, navigate that bullpen game, right? Because he gave him seven innings. He probably could have gone maybe even eight, you know. So he was he was a perfect guy. Um, real quick though, so 
Wander Sweater was sent back down, right? I think that's going to be for Caleb, though. Caleb Ferguson was on the paternity leave, so he'll probably be back, and, and Caleb will probably be back up as well. How soon will Caleb be back? Do we know? Um, well, What's the earliest that he can come back? When you go on those paternity leaves, isn't it a certain like number of days? days? It's like three days. Is so it he, three days? Yeah. So okay. I, I think I think it's gonna be for Caleb. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they would make that move for Gavin probably till till like the day next before. the yeah. next road trip. They have a really long road trip coming up. Uh, they have a road trip where after the series with uh, the Gemelos, they they go four against the Cardenales, then they got three against the Bravos, and then they got three against the Rays. So they got a 10-game road trip coming up. And so, Michael Carrillo, I think you're probably right. We're probably going to see Gavin Stone during that 10-game road trip. Uh, and I'm very curious to see how he reacts to that start that he had at, at Dodger Stadium. Um, another thing, we're talking about the, the psychological aspect of baseball. One of the other things, I don't know if you guys saw this story, but Mookie Betts, there, there's a hotel in Milwaukee where, and it seems like it's all professional teams because the the uh, NBA teams also the visiting NBA teams also stay at this hotel, and there's this hotel in Milwaukee that the rumor is it's haunted, and so Mookie said, "Fuck that, I'm not staying in that hotel," and he basically stayed at an Airbnb. Now. Uh, and it's too bad that Princesa de Picolandia is not here because I think she always has an issue with certain players being treated differently than other players. Is this the superstar treatment with Mookie? Mookie, hey, you get to do whatever you want. The rest of you guys, you're staying in this hotel, whether you think it's haunted, whether you hear noises at night or anything like that. Babyface, are you okay to, to our listeners here on the live are you guys okay with Mookie staying at an Airbnb while everybody else has to play Ghostbusters in this hotel in Milwaukee? I mean, is it on Mookie's dime, right? It's probably on his dime, right? So, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. You, you think the Dodgers made him pay for the Airbnb? Well, if he's not going to stay in the hotel, the team hotel, and he wants to do his own thing, right? But you should, right? You should, you should have to pay for your own. You know, he probably has his family too, right? His wife and his kids. So he's probably, hey, you know what? I'm going to go stay here, right? I mean, I, I don't think they would pay for it. You know, I, I find it very interesting because I, do you remember when uh, Adrian Gonzalez was on the Dodgers? Uh, when they went to Chicago, the team was staying in a Donald Trump-owned hotel. And Gonzalez was like, fuck that guy. We're not staying in that hotel. And he forced the Dodgers to stay in a different hotel because he didn't want to stay in a Donald Trump owned uh, hotel. So I wonder how, how, how often this kind of stuff happens when you're on the road that for whatever reason, Hey, I don't want to stay here. And the team, I wonder if anybody knows this in the chat, if anybody knows, Hey, if a player wants to make different arrangements, they still got to get approval from the team and so if they want separate arrangements, does that mean that the player is is on the hook for that? I mean, but Mookie, he said he's not afraid of ghosts, right? So, 
I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah, but he, he said, said he's not afraid of ghosts, but he didn't want to take chances. Yeah, is yeah, what Mookie yeah. was saying. Yeah, so he might be a little bit afraid of ghosts. I'm thinking. I, I mean, I, I'm t- very tempted. That's one of the stadiums that I have not been to. And I'm on a quest. I'm a stadium chaser. I'm on a quest to try to go to all the major league baseball ballparks. I'm, I have 17 down. So I would love, Michael Carrillo, maybe we could make this a, a road trip where when we go to Milwaukee, we check out this hotel and we can find out why it, it, it's considered to be haunted. So um, you'll, you'll stay there. I, I want you to go in and tell you, I want you to give me the room that is the most haunted room that they say is the most haunted room. And I want you to book that room for you. But we'll, lot. We'll, we'll take I, it out of the, we'll take it out of the petty cash if we have to. I, I mean, they, how long have we heard these stories? This hotel has been around for some time. So if it was really haunted, don't you think they would like, they wouldn't have enough business to operate. Right, nobody would nobody would stay there because of the fact. So I think it's probably this myth that they're cashing in on, and they're gonna take all this business because if weird shit really happened in that hotel, why would all these professional sports teams continue to stay? This is not just Major League Baseball. Teams from the NBA also stay at this hotel. I mean, is it? I don't know. Is it the most uh, like? closest in proximity to the stadium or something or i mean what's what hotel is it do we even know what hotel it is like, I, I forget what the name of the hotel it starts with a p um it and might be the nicest hotel in milwaukee i don't know i mean i i, I just it's every time any team goes to milwaukee this story comes out about this haunted hotel daniel ibarra thinks that mookie is acting like a prima donna I, I would have loved, as I said, to have the Princesa de, po- de Picolandia on here uh, because I'm sure she would have got – she would have her two thoughts on the different – the preferential treatment. I mean, what if there were other players? What if Victor Gonzalez was just like, hey, man, th- this hotel is haunted. I don't want to stay here. Do you think that I just said, well, that's too bad. You're staying here because you're Victor Gonzalez. That guy's Mookie. Mookie can do whatever the hell he wants. And by the way, Michael Carrillo, I have heard those stories about the Queen Mary, and I hear the Queen Mary's haunted. I was on the Queen Mary, and I didn't see anything like that. I didn't see anything weird on the Queen Mary, but maybe we just got to do some more investigative journalism here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they make shows about those, right? Like, uh, you know, chasing ghosts and all this stuff. I mean, have they done an episode there? I mean, maybe maybe that's why they're in business, right? I mean... That's what I'm telling you. I think they're just, I don't think that place is haunted. I think they just want to continue to perpetuate this myth so they can continue to have business, keep that hotel because, or maybe you're, maybe you're right. The only way they have business is when they have sports teams come in here and that's the only way they can support themselves. Uh, But anyways, I, next topic here, uh, he's a former Dodger and he's a dude that got a lot of crap when he left. Um, and that's Kenley Jansen. Uh, I remember the first time Kenley Jansen came back to Dodger Stadium. I was at that game. He did get some cheers, but he also got a smattering of boos. And I know when Ken, the breakup with Kenley was not uh, a nice breakup. I know things did not work out well. And so he ended up going to Atlanta and he, then he had a cup of tea with, uh, with the Media Rojas and now he's pitching. Uh, yeah, now he's still pitching with the Medias Rojas, actually. So he just recently recorded his 400 save. 
So I know things didn't end well with Kenley, but this is the stat. There are only seven people in the history of Major League Baseball that have 400 saves. And three of those people that have those 400 saves are in the Hall of Fame. Now, I know we've debated this before on the show as to whether Kenley Jansen is a Hall of Famer. Look, the the three that aren't in the Hall of Fame, Billy Wagner, uh, K-Rod, and uh, Julio Franco, those three are not in the Hall of Fame. So I got I want to get your guys' opinion on this. If Kenley ends up getting into the Hall of Fame, doesn't it have to be after Billy Wagner, K-Rod, and Julio Franco get in? Because those guys are ahead of him. Michael Carrillo thinks he needs at least 450 to get into the Hall of Fame. I think you kind of have that same theory, don't you, Babyface? Well, I, he's at 400. He has to get to... He has to pass Lee Smith at 478, which is doable, right? I mean, he could probably do that. Wow. Probably. You think he's going to get 78 more saves? Yeah. I mean, he's going to get about 30 more this year, right? So it takes him about 430. How much longer do you think Kenley's going to play? Kenley said that he wants to pitch till he's 40. So he's got about another four or five years in him. So if, even if he got like 20 more saves each year, he's going to get there. He's going to get to – He's going to pass Lee Smith at 478. So he's going to be, I think he's going to become third all time. He's not going to, he's not going to get to Mario and all or Trevor, right? So I, I think he's going to get to number three. So if he gets to number three, he's in the Hall of Fame. So let me ask you this a guy like Craig Kimbrell, and we've seen how he's pitched the last few years. You don't think that's going to happen to Kenley? You think he's going to have the opportunity? Yeah, he's 35 years old right now, and he wants to pitch until he's 40. You think a team is going to give him that opportunity to get 78 more saves? Let's say he does get 30 saves now. I I mean, he's been signing one-year deals with teams. I I mean, to me, that seems like a big number, 78 saves. I mean, like I said, if if he gets 30 more this year, puts them out, what, about 50 saves to go, right? You don't think he can do that in in two, three years? Even even if he declines? I don't know, man. I I, I just I, I I defer to Craig Kimbrell. Like that dude now is never put in a save situation. That dude now comes and pitches in the seventh or in the eighth That's inning, or he pitches in a, in extra innings. Yeah, I mean, I think the difference though is I mean, Kenley has his moments, right? Yeah. But he's still able to close out games, and he's still doing it. I think Kimbrough has completely, like, kind of fallen off that cliff. You know, mm-hmm. we saw it last year, and we've been seeing it this year. So I think the game has completely changed for Kimbrough. As long as Kenley is still out there getting runs, I mean, getting getting saves and, and you know, able to close out games, uh, you know, I think, you know, if he plays for the Red Sox this year, I don't know, maybe they, they give him an extension, you know, if not. Maybe he goes somewhere where he can get saves. Maybe he goes to, you know, the Pirates or he goes to Oakland or somewhere where wherever, whenever they're in for a win, he's going to come out to try and close out the game, right? So if he does that, though, isn't it in a sense, it seems like padding stance. Like, for me, I was really, do you remember Jamie Moyer? Yeah. 
I was really rooting for Jamie Moyer to get to 300 wins because I wanted to see what the Hall of Fame committee was going to do with Jamie Moyer because 300 wins is the magic number. You and I, have we have talked about this. Like, I don't think any starting pitcher is going to get to 300 wins. I mean, I think it's becoming more and more obvious that Clayton Kershaw is probably the best pitcher in the history of the Dodgers. You might make the argument he is the best left-handed pitcher that we've ever seen. And he's not going to get to 300 wins. I mean, we'll be lucky if he gets to 250. I would, I would love him to be, I want him to pass Don Sutton. That's what I want is I want the all-time leader in wins for the Dodgers organization to be Clayton Kershaw. But if going back to Jamie Moyer, if Jamie Moyer would have gotten to 300 and that guy pitched way past, he was 40, right? That guy just kept staying in. And then I'm like, if he gets to 300, what are they going to do? Because 300 is, is the magic number, man. Like, I don't think there is a pitcher in major league baseball that has won 300 games that is not in the hall of fame. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Jamie Moyer is a hall of famer? I mean, Harold Baines got in, right? I mean, I think <laughs> it all goes back to Harold Baines, man. Harold I, Baines always gets the sh- gets shit on, man. I mean, I think it would take something like that, right? Like, I mean, he's he's Jamie Moore. I think he's already been up for election, right? I think he probably already fell off, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it'd have to it'd have to be the Veterans Committee that would do. They'd be like, hey, this guy's got three hundred wins, right? Let's put him in, right? You know, kind of like you know Harold Baines, right? Well, I mean, that's my issue with the Hall of Fame. Like for me. There's way too many people in the Hall of Fame. Like for me, the Hall of Fame is, it's just, it should be reserved for no doubters. If you have to think about it, then I don't think they should be in the Hall of Fame. And there's nothing wrong with being a really good dude, but the Hall of Fame should be like, this was the elite of the elite. Like there's no doubt. Like when Mariano Rivera got 100%, anybody have a problem with that? Maybe the only problem you had is Mariano shouldn't have been the first dude that got a hundred percent. I mean, there should have been other guys ahead of him, like some dude named Ken Griffey Jr., like other players. Mariano Rivera shouldn't have been the first guy to get a hundred percent of the vote, right? But he's a no doubter, right? Mariano Rivera comes back, yeah. That dude belongs in the Hall of Fame because he got he saved so many games. He was so important. He had one pitch. You knew that pitch was coming, and you still couldn't do anything about it, right? So I don't know. Kenley strikes me as some a guy. I will say this. I do think we take Kenley for granted. I think Kenley doesn't get enough credit for being good. But when it comes to a Hall of Famer, I have to stop and think about it. And for me, a Hall of Famer should be a no-doubter. What do you think about that theory? Yeah, I mean, I get it, too. I mean, sometimes we don't, we don't, like, we think, of okay, yeah, that guy's a Hall of Famer. But also, when, when you look at the numbers, right, you're like, dang, like, he did that. Like, okay, yeah, I guess he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? There's guys that I think, like, just by... Like he's a he's a reliever, right? If he gets to third all time, yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, like when I see like, well, who leads this like second baseman like Jeff Kent, right? Like I think right. Jeff Kent leads all second baseman ever in 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 home runs. So I'm thinking like maybe he should be in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, he has the most home runs as a second baseman all time, 
shouldn't he be in the Hall of Fame? So that's kind of like I feel like when I see some of the numbers, I'm like, well, if he leads all other guys that ever played that position, shouldn't he be a Hall of Famer? Well, but see, and that's the thing is, but but you had to break that down by position. You're comparing him to other second basemen. Like for me, I just think the argument should be if he was like a player who dominated his era, he was the best of the best. Like it's the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's celebrating those that were like I. You you already have to be good to make it to the major leagues. It's when you get to the major leagues and you separate yourself from other dudes that are good. That's what makes you a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, Kenley had a little run there, right, where he was like probably the top closer in the game, right? You know, he had that run until like until 2017, right? I think kind of that's kind of when it ended 2018. But prior to that, a couple years prior to that, he was he was like the top guy. So I mean, uh, look, I'll tell you this: when I found that he had 400 saves. And only seven dudes have ever done that. It made me think. It made me think. But to me, my rule is when it comes to the Hall of Fame, there has to be no doubt. There has to be no doubt. And that's why when you get guys in there, I mean, poor Harold Baines, it's not his fault. He got elected to the Hall of Fame, but everybody shits on him like he was a he was a crappy player and he wasn't. But it's like, yeah, you you weren't a shitty player, but you also yeah. aren't like one of the greats. He was a good player, right? It's like when we think like he was a he was a very good player, right? But it was like it was the Hall of Fame player, like exactly, exactly. So it's like when you have situations like this, then Fred McGriff gets put in, and it's like, yeah, Fred McGriff was a really good player, man. But when you had to think about it, and then it takes this long for you to get in, like it's a it's a great honor. If you go ahead and get in, I I don't want to take it away from you. I'm just more the process of the Hall of Fame. And, you know, there's you take into a fact that writers are voting and sometimes they're voting on like I, I like the in the sense, the Veterans Committee, because they saw these guys play. But if you don't see somebody play every day, how are you basing your decision? You're basing it on what someone else is telling you. Right. So that that's the tricky thing about the Hall of Fame. But I don't want to take this away this is this was supposed to be a congratulations uh, congratulations to kenley jansen because that is a huge accomplishment 400 saves to do something that only seven other dudes have done in, in the game is a huge accomplishment and this should be more of an appreciation of kenley jansen because as i mentioned before i, I think it was a shitty uh, way for him to go out and it was i think it was all based on of emotion we saw how it was towards the end with them. And I, I, I think we let our emotion get the best of him. And we really didn't give him a proper goodbye. I hope he ends up coming back to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers can, the Dodger fans can really appreciate what he has done. And I mean, they could re, you know, he can retire as a Dodger and then, you know, he'll go into the hall of fame as a Dodger. So it'll be all good. Yeah, there you go. Um, our, our, we're going to start a new segment here on the show, and I want to hear your guys' feedback on this. You guys know on this show we're, we're wrestling fans. We, we, we love wrestling. So we were trying to come up with a, a, a name to this segment in terms of, like, the wrestling corner with, Han, with Juan. So we have this new segment that is called La Plancha con el Rudo. 
And this is where we talk about wrestling on the show. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up is, I don't know if you saw this last week, Babyface, but the WWE had Backlash. And Backlash was in Puerto Rico. This uh, pay-per-view did huge numbers. It was like the highest grossing, most viewed Backlash in the company's history. I mean, they had a viewership from last year's backlash went up 28%. Uh, there were like more, almost 35,000 fans uh, in Puerto Rico. Not only did they do, well, this is over two nights because they held SmackDown there. They had SmackDown, which drew almost 17,000. And then backlash drew almost 18,000. So, I mean, they had almost 40 million viewers. So what I want to ask you about this is, was Backlash this popular because it was held in Puerto Rico and the Latinos were supporting this event because it was held in Puerto Rico? Or is this the Bad Bunny effect? Because it seems like this dude, wherever he goes, draws numbers. Now, last year, the celebrity game at Dodger Stadium during the All-Star break that celebrity game was like sold out at Dodger stadium. And it seemed like everybody there to see the celebrity game was there to see bad bunny. Which one was it? Is it because it's Puerto Rico or was it the fact that bad bunny actually wrestled bad bunny, a singer wrestled in this, in a street fight. I think it's a little of both, but a little of the both of being in Puerto Rico is kind of down here. It's it's the Bad Bunny effect. I mean, it's because Bad Bunny was there. He was wrestling. I mean, I even think he he went through a table, right? Like yeah, he he took a he took a shot. He went through a table. I I saw some stuff that the WWE was so impressed with him, just what he like what he did, and just all around everything, right? The numbers, everything. I think they want to put him in a match with Roman Reigns. So <laughs> that's going to headline WrestleMania next year, isn't it? I mean, Bad Bunny versus Roman Reigns. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know if they're going to give him a title. Well, you know, this guy's going to be, I mean, I was surprised that this is Bad Bunny. Like where did he learn how to wrestle and take shots like that? Right. That they put him through a table. It's like, I mean, Bad Bunny. <laughs> how do you think his agent or his representatives felt seeing him go through a table or saying, Hey, I'm going to participate in this San Juan street fight. I mean, if you were his agent, would you have allowed him to do this? I mean, I'd be like, "Are you using like some kind of body double? Like, what? What? what <laughs> like, I mean, I, like, how I, much money do you think the WWE paid him to do this? It's got to be millions, right? Just millions. you think they paid him that much money? It has to be, right? Just, I mean, he. I don't think he's just doing it for the love of. I mean, I love. I love wrestling, man. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. But, but maybe, from- maybe he did. I, I mean, maybe he, he he's so into wrestling because you got to be out of your mind. I, have you actually been in one of those wrestling rings? Have you felt the mat? Uh, no, I have not. It's a lot harder than you think, man. And some but of these guys it's getting... Fake, though. It's fake, though, right? Isn't it fake? That's what they all say, right? Uh, all right. Say that. Uh, say that. Uh, I mean, there's this great clip on YouTube. Go and watch it when... when uh, uh, the guy who holds uh, Bill Maher says that to, to Roddy Roddy Piper and Roddy Roddy Piper, I think, wanted to break him in half while he has a, a hip issue. He has like steel in his hip. 
I mean, I don't, I don't care what you say though. I mean, if someone picks you up though and slams you through a table, I think that's still gonna hurt, right? Exactly. Even if they doctor up, even if they already have the table sawed in half and it's being held up by tape, I mean, shit. When mankind went off the top of the cage, man, I, I was, you know, when Ross was like, "He's dead." My God, they killed him. I, I believed it. You know, that that to me was just insane. Uh I I think it was fantastic that Bad Buddy did this. I also think it's great that the LWO has come back. All of a sudden, the LWO is a thing. Uh, for those of you who haven't gotten, you can get on our Bleed Lows website, you can get the Bleed Lows podcast shirt in an LWO uh, uh, homage. So make sure you guys go to the to the website and, and get your, your Bleed Lows merch. Um, that was the premiere of our segment of La Plancha con el Rudo. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know if this is something you guys want us to continue to do. I, I know some of you wrestling fans that listen to the show are upset that we don't do enough wrestling talk. Well, we're trying to address it. We're, we're trying to make sure that you guys get your wrestling talk every week. Uh, so we're going to segue now to our picks for the, for the week. So babyface. You're on fire. You're in first place along with our fans. So those of you guys that are on the live, make sure you go ahead and chime in with your picks. The picks that we are going to do are going to be basically the homestand. So we got three against the show pods, and then we got three against the Hemelos of Minnesota. So what do you got, babyface? So Minnesota, they're in first place too, right? So they, they they are in first place. They are leading their division. And did they just beat the show pods two out of three? Yeah, they beat right? the show pods two out of three. I, I mean, I don't know if you saw this earlier today, but Bob Melvin, uh, a guy who normally doesn't show much emotion, seemed a little bit agitated with the way the show pods have been playing. Yeah, the show pods all of a sudden, after they're hot, you know, they, they were playing pretty well they had one seven out of ten now all of a sudden they're five out of five i guess maybe that's what happens when you end up playing the dodgers right the the dodgers find a way to cool you off but the show pods are now are at 500 uh the the gemelos are are four games over 500 but they also were just five and five in their last 10 yeah well seven and three after that last series they got a little bit healthier with the with the show pods but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, what works. I'm gonna go with four and two again. I think two and two out of three with the show pods and two out of three with the twins. All right, four and two. So again, to our listeners, get your guys's pick in before we end the show. You know this is really tricky for me because I do think they're gonna take two out of three from the Hemelos. It's the show pod series that makes me it it, it makes me a little I don't know like. Is it the Dodgers just they have the show pods number during the regular season? Or are the show pods gonna go ahead and I mean when we had Nick on the show last week, you know, Nick told us that they're just really inconsistent. And that's how the Dodgers were. And then all of a sudden the Dodgers turned the corner and they became more consistent. <sighs> you know, still early in the season. So I have a chance to make up ground later on. So I'm going to go four and two also. I, I, I do think that the Dodgers, 
are going to, I think they have turned things around. Uh, I just think primarily it's the pitching. Uh, The starters are pitching well. The bullpen, the bullpen, which was not very good in the month of May, I mean the month of April, all of a sudden looks a lot better. It looks a little bit more more reliable, even though poor Phil Bickford just seems like he's going to be a prime candidate to be sent down if the Dodgers, you know, maybe when Daniel Hudson comes back or if they get some other reliever, uh, just poor Bickford. He has one moment where he, he looks great. And then other times where it just does not look too good. So Simeon is going to chime in. It looks like Simeon is going to uh, represent our, our listeners. Simeon also is going four and two. So all of a sudden the, everybody's feeling the Dodgers again, everything is fine. I mean, this is what happens in a very long season. It's it, it's just, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs. And for some reason, this team went 6-0 and on their homestand, and then they went 4-2 and on a road trip. And now they get the show pods again, and then they get the Jimenez. And then they go on a really long road trip, and that one, that one's going to be really tough. But we will save that conversation for next week's episode. So for this... Real, real quick, yes. You're, you're talking about that Joe Musgrove interview, and what one thing I took from that, and we've we've kind of said this like all along. It's like, and this is why I think the Dodgers have their number, is because he even said, you know, he said, you know, these guys kicked our ass all season, and then we beat them in the playoffs. And he's on that felt really, really good. That made their season like that. Yeah. They, they didn't care anything else, and that's how I think they see the Dodgers. They just want to beat these guys so bad. And then they can't, right? And I think that's that's hurting them as well. Like when they go series to series, like because they want to beat them so bad, it, I think it's affecting their play, right? And and I think that's where the Dodgers have that advantage right now. It's like the show pods just they're just I don't know they they're all they want to do is beat the Dodgers. Like they don't care how they finish in the standings. Like and and I think they gotta they gotta get over that, right? They gotta just like you know what the Dodgers are just another team in, in the division that we gotta we gotta beat, right, to win this division and. Until they do that, I mean, I think they're going to have a hard time with, you know, playing the Dodgers. Uh, well, we shall see. So uh, for this has been the Bleed Los Podcast, La Carne Asada en Vivo. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch us. I know we were having problems, I guess, with the YouTube channel earlier. I'm sorry about that, Simeon. I hope uh, it, it fixed itself. We don't know what the issue is, but... Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for the audio version. You can listen to it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mi colega, Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Those Podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.